0: Entrepreneur
1: on Fire, Episode 113. Welcome to
0: EntrepreneurOnFire.com, where remarkable entrepreneurs share their inspiring story. Let their journey illuminate your path to success. And now, your host, John
1: Dumas. Hey, Fire Nation. Are you ready to launch a website? I've created a free step-by-step video that will walk you through the process of buying your domain, installing WordPress, and creating your first post all in under seven minutes. Visit entrepreneuronfire.com blue to find out more and take your entrepreneurial leap today. Okay, let's get started. I am simply delighted to introduce my guest today, Brent Gleason. Brent, are you prepared to ignite?
0: I'm ready, brother. Let's rock and roll.
1: All right. Brent is the co founder and CMO at Internet Marketing Incorporated, based out of San Diego. He oversees digital marketing, branding, communications, strategic planning, thought leadership, recruitment, and business development. IMI was recently ranked number 185 on the Inc. 500 list of fastest growing private companies in the country. Furthermore, Brent is a Navy SEAL combat veteran, serving in more than 150 missions in Iraq and Africa as part of SEAL Team 5. He is passionate about leadership, entrepreneurship, and fitness. He writes about all of these topics as a contributor to Forbes, Inc., and CMO.com. He is also a popular keynote speaker on these subjects. Man, Brent, I don't normally let my interviewees have this long of an intro, but I just couldn't cut anything out of this because I love it all, so... Welcome to Entrepreneur on Fire. Welcome, Fire Nation. Welcomes you. I've given a little overview, but take it from here. Tell us a little bit about yourself personally. We want to get to know you, and then tell us about your business.
0: Well, thank you so much, John. That was a great introduction, and I think you covered the highlights. But uh, again, I'm honored to be here. I love, absolutely love what you're doing, and um, you know you've got a great thing going. And I know it's gonna it's gonna continue to explode. So, uh, Really excited to be part of it. But um, just to give you a little background, I. Grew up in Dallas, Texas, and did my undergrad at Southern Methodist University, and um, all this connects and leads into where I am now, so that's why I'm going back that far. Um, And I graduated and uh, became a financial analyst. I was a finance and economics uh, uh, undergrad major, but I also had some, some very close friends who were joining the military. This was back in 1999, so pre-9-11. I had a very, very close friend and roommate who was joining the Navy to become an intel officer. And then I had another fraternity brother who was a year behind me who was dead set on joining the Navy to uh, make his way to and hopefully through the SEAL program, otherwise known as BUDS or Basic Underwater Demolition SEAL. So while I was a financial analyst, I you know, was working by day and then over time I started training with my friend who was a year behind me while he was a senior uh, at night. Just a way to, you know, stay connected to him and also a great way to stay in shape, right? So that gave me a goal. I trained with him and he helped me. I helped him. And eventually over then I started reading books and I started learning more about the SEAL teams and their history and what they're all about. And I sort of got the bug and it really you know, once, once I got interested, it just sunk its claws in and never let go. So, and that coupled with the fact that my finance job was was a little boring. <laughs> so it wasn't, the comparison wasn't, uh, it, after I got, you know, really hooked, it just wasn't there. So after about 11 months, um, at, uh, as a financial analyst at a large commercial real estate company, I gave my two weeks and told my parents that I was leaving the great job that I got out of college and joining the Navy, wow. which came as a big shock to them. And it was the best decision I ever made. It changed my life in so many ways. Uh, we, I quit my job early, went up to the mountains in Crested Butte, Colorado to train at 10,000 feet altitude for three months with my friend. We both went in to the same, at the same time, went to the same BUDS class. And ironically, he didn't make it um, through the first couple of weeks. He got very, very ill. And just if you're as sick as he was, there is no, you, you can't do it. If you can't stand up, you can't train. And that early on in BUDS, they're not going to medically roll anybody back to another class. So they basically forced him out, which was sad. But he had another calling, which was to be a, a medevac helo pilot in the Army. And he's been saving lives ever since and still still fighting to fight in Afghanistan with year-long deployment. So wow. my hat's off to him, and yeah. he absolutely loves it. Um, I went on through training. We started with 250 students. 23 of us eventually graduated, and we learned about sacrifice very early on. Um, you know, not a month in, we were finishing up Hell Week, and our class leader actually passed away uh, right on the tail end of Hell Week during one of the training evolutions. And we didn't know what was happening at the time. They corralled us into the classroom. There's about 40 of us left at this time, and this is just a month into a year-long pipeline. And the Master Chief came in, pronounced our class leader dead. And his way of consoling us was to say, gentlemen, get used to it. This is what life in the teams will be like. Man. And he didn't even realize how right he was at the time. It was nine months later, 9-11 happened. And that changed the whole definition of what it would mean to be in the SEAL teams at that time. So uh, we finished advanced training, went to our respective teams, did a training workup. By that time, Iraq was just about to kick off. My platoon deployed immediately to Iraq, and we were the first SEAL task unit in Baghdad running what we call capture or kill missions, working in conjunction with the CIA. And so we did about probably a hundred plus missions in that first six-month tour. The operational tempo back then was extremely high. Rules of engagement were different. You know, we weren't as concerned about IEDs. So usually our main insert platform at the beginning was vehicles. And we switched to Hilo and vehicle or a combination thereof. But um, so, you know, and then I I did a couple tours and then I did, uh, finished up by doing a tour in Northern Africa. And then when I got out, I felt that the best transition from that back to business was to not have a transition at all. So, I signed up for graduate school at University of San Diego and that started about two weeks after I got out. So... I made an immediate transition right into graduate school, and that is where I met my awesome business partner. And uh, he's been an entrepreneur since he was pretty much in high school and college. And that is where the concept of our first business came to be, called NewCondosOnline.com. Keep in mind, this is back when real estate was booming, especially here in California. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, as young young, naive entrepreneurs, we are going to ride this cycle that will never end, right? (laughs) So, Just keeps going up. It just keeps going up. This is never going to end. The (laughs) the sad sad part is a lot of real estate developers who are very seasoned thought this too. It blows my mind. That is, that's crazy. Just kept pumping money into projects, into more projects, into more projects. Now those buildings are either owned by the bank or rental properties. (laughs) But that business we grew substantially in about three years. But as we started to see... The bell curve of the economic cycle happening, especially in real estate, we thought, oh man, you know, we need to we need to diversify, and we are in a space because NewCondosOnline.com is a vertical search engine. It's just like a Move.com or any of these other real estate sites. For a user or home buyer, it's a resource to look for new homes and condos all over the world. For a real estate developer or marketer, it's an avenue to obviously, generate home buyer leads and advertise.
1: So you saw the writing on the wall, Brent, and you basically used the military phrase, shoot, move, and communicate.
0: Amen. Amen. Try and uh, and see what's coming at least a little bit over the horizon. So we uh, decided to, and again, it's just like like in the military, as you know, and entrepreneurship, being dynamic and fluid is an absolute must. It's It's imperative. If you don't have it, you won't make it. And so we started what was the uh, the beginnings of Internet Marketing Inc. Or what we refer to as IMI um, because we we're also in that space. You know, these some of these clients needed websites or microsites. They needed search engine optimization. They needed paid search things like that. And so we're like, well, let's start a small, tiny little agency. We'll offer you know we'll offer this stuff to some of these clients through all these media buying contacts that we've made. All of these agencies that were so pro real estate back then. I mean, there are some digital marketing agencies that were focused just on the real estate niche and unfortunately many of those do not exist anymore um, because I guess they weren't paying attention to what was happening. But we started this small agency and it just kept growing. And we out, at that time we outsourced everything overseas. New condos online kept plateauing and then started to shrink. And so we just gradually shifted more resources and our time as as business partners and owners to IMI, and so just kept making a gradual switch. We had people basically running new condos online. We didn't really have to do it, so our percentage of time between the two, over about a year's time, switched from you know fifty fifty to about ninety five five. So we just saw such a great potential. Uh, you know, the the digital marketing world is non cyclical because anybody and everybody theoretically could be a client. Um, because you're just talking traditionally, you're just talking about marketing and advertising. Right. So that's that's how Internet Marketing Inc has grown. And as you mentioned in the intro, you know we were recently awarded the 185th spot on the Inc 500, which we just couldn't be more thrilled about. And that was due to 1,900 percent three year revenue growth. And uh, we just, you know, we keep growing. But where we are now, it's you know, it's really time to make sure that we're growing in a smart way and. And really focusing on the bottom line, you know, 1900% top line growth is great, but we want to be making money.
1: (laughs) It's not necessarily sustainable though. Right. So Brent, there's so many great things that you just said. I mean, I want to delve into so many of them, but let's just go way back to start. And that was when you were back in Iraq. I just really wanted to pull out one thing that you said, but you were on such a great role. I wanted you to just keep going, but you were on the SEAL team. You're doing a hundred plus missions. Your operation was extremely high and you were being inserted by vehicles because there wasn't really an IED threat, and just for our civilian audience, that's improvised explosive device. That wasn't really a major threat, but then it did become a threat, and you had to switch to helo insertion, which are helicopters. So, can you talk very quickly just about why that transition happened and exactly what it was like to be inserted via helos?
0: Yeah, and I know where you're going with this, John. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it it was it was you know it was good and bad. I mean, the helo the 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 vehicle insertion – now, granted, just to clarify, our first mission was actually probably – keep in mind, when I say first mission, I mean the first combat mission of anybody in our platoon was probably the most high-profile mission that we ever did on that deployment. And that was a full three-and-a-half-hour Hilo transit from Ali Asalim Air Base in Kuwait all the way to northern Iraq to take down uh, a dam and hydropower plant that was – we got intel that – uh, Saddam loyalists were going to blow the dam and also potential target for a location of potential weapons of mass destruction, chemical, bio, what have you. So we, that mission came down the pipeline. Similar to the OBL raid, it came down weeks before. We built a mock target. We drilled and did what we call dirt dives or rehearsals, basically over and over and over and over, planned at every contingency, because we were assaulting with one platoon. And we had, we were also working with the Polish Grom, who was gonna provide uh, a perimeter force that was, so we all, we all inserted via helicopter. So our first experience on a mission was using Hilo and fast rope as an insertion, but primarily in and around Baghdad, and Fallujah and Ramadi. If we went over over to those cities, it was at first vehicle insert, but then IEDs started kicking up. That started becoming more and more of a threat. So we transitioned to, for at least for a while, primarily a Hilo insert. Now sometimes we would use vehicles to, or work with Army Rangers to on the ground provide again that uh, perimeter support, um, so that we could. If it was a neighborhood, for example, we could, you know how this goes, lock off a neighborhood. We would possibly fast rope onto the roof of a building. And sometimes we would have a ground force uh, come in on the ground as well.
1: Talk about fast rope real quick.
0: Yeah, fast rope uh, is basically sliding down a big, thick rope onto your target. So the interesting thing about fast roping, though, is it looks cool in the movies. But when you're wearing 70, 80 plus pounds of gear, (laughs) you've got... Body armor, multiple weapons, magazines of ammo. Uh, I was a breacher, so I'd carry a quickie saw, or a chainsaw, or a sledgehammer. So you you were loaded down, and so it's not as sexy as uh, as it is in the movies, as you know, John. <laughs> so oftentimes, it me, you know, it was kind of like jumping out of the helicopter.
1: <laughs> it's not like when Tom Cruise just goes down and just becomes like within one foot of the ground in Mission Impossible. Like you <laughs> actually have a ton of stuff on, and you feel pretty awkward.
0: Yeah, it's more like me landing on my back and extra quickie saw blades going everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's, you know, that's essentially fast roping in a nutshell. But, the you know, the transition to all or mostly helo insert was is also equally as dangerous in a way. Helicopters get shot down. Helicopters crash. I mean, you know this. So there was there's danger on all sides.
1: No, I'll tell you. I just find this incredibly fascinating on so many levels. One of the major reasons, obviously, is because I was an officer myself. I was four years active, four years in the reserves, in the Army, as an armored platoon leader. And so I just find everything so fascinating, especially when you say names like Ramadi and Fallujah, both places that I was stationed at during my tour of duty in Iraq. So... There's just a lot of similarities between the two of us as far as where we were at that point in our lives, because I was actually there in the 2003.
0: Oh, yeah. We were probably there at the same time.
1: <laughs> we were probably there at the same time. I was probably like, wow, that's a, that's a Navy SEAL. but <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah, right, right.
1: But again, we had a great conversation before this interview and I just really just am enjoying this talk and I can continue to go down this road and I want to dip back into it as we can but let's continue down this journey as an entrepreneur yes. and it's it's been almost 15 minutes now, which I love because this is just the kind of tangents that entrepreneur on fire, goes on, and we just continue to extract so many cool things out of that, but let's pull ourselves back real quick, because I know you have a great quote, a great mantra that you enjoy. What is that quote? Uh,
0: the quote is, no plan withstands first contact with the enemy, and as it applies to military and combat, it also applies uh, very heavily, as you know, to entrepreneurship and business ownership, and it really boils down to solid planning, you know, great strategic planning, and really, really solid contingency planning. And it's you know it's it's incredibly important. It also goes into kind of what we talked about before as far as being fluid, being dynamic, being ready to change and anticipating change. So it's very important.
1: Well, what that just brings to mind to me immediately is it just transports me back to Iraq when my platoon sergeant grabbed me and just shook me and said, Lieutenant, a good plan now is better than a great plan later. Get on your game. And then threw me back. And I hopefully <laughs> went and... Made a good decision. I don't even actually remember, but I'm sure you did. <laughs> let's bring this down to the ground level in the business sense right now, Brent, and tell us how you apply your quote that mantra to your everyday life with IMI.
0: Well, I think it all started with uh, even back with the first company when we were, you know, we were planning and planning and planning. But at, at, at some stage, you also have to stop all the planning. Stop focusing so much on the long term five year plans and get down to business and, and work and <laughs> apply what you have and then from there continue your ongoing strategic planning and make adjustments along the way so and when i talk on these subjects too when i'm speaking about entrepreneurship and some of it's involved with strategic planning you know it's it's important to focus at least our philosophy at IMI is at the longest term you know 12 month plan And then we break that plan down into quarterly plans and i'm a big fan of the one page business plan my truth be told my one pager is more like two pages but because it has the annual and then the quarterly and then we update that each quarter so really really solid strategic planning is important because all sorts of things are going to come your way your your quote unquote for sure funding that's coming down the pipe will probably fall through (laughs) or the great employee that you've just recruited may only last three months, or maybe you didn't screen that person well enough. And then you have to make a, a significant switch in your service offerings because maybe you're holding your service offer, offerings and tying it to a specific individual. In our business, it's all human capital. We go out and find the best possible people we can find, the greatest minds in digital marketing and analytics. And therefore, that's always a opportunity and a threat for us on our SWOT analysis is making sure we're recruiting the best people and of course retaining the best people.
1: Great mentality.
0: Or maybe your biggest client that you know you you might have you know right or wrong you might have let's say 30% of your profitability or more tied to one big client and of course as a business owner you have to make that distinction. Do we take this client on and hang you know, hang a big part of our hat on one client that could cancel? Do we staff up for that client, et cetera? And generally, most entrepreneurs I know are going to do it and they're going to just make it work and make adjustments along the way.
1: Or maybe this great product and this great service that you are just so confident about goes out into the market and just flops because until you really just release that product or release that service and start getting feedback, you just have no idea. You can do all the strategic planning you want, but until it gets out into the market and you start getting feedback, you never know. And that just takes you right back to Eric Reese's lean startup. You need to get the product, that minimally viable product out there as soon as possible, start getting feedback and transition on the go.
0: Yeah. Amen. You you have to test it. You have to see what's going to work, what's going to stick, and you know you can you can go down the funding path all you want, but at some point you really these days especially you need to have a product. Traditionally, you need to have a working product, and you need to be in revenue um, if you're going to go down the funding path, even the angel investment path.
1: So, Brent, let's continue moving down your journey. Let's talk about a failure that you've had, or a challenge, or an obstacle that you've just really had to work hard to overcome. Or pivot to get around. At some point in your journey, as all entrepreneurs face, you face that moment. Take us through that moment, and then take us through how you overcame that.
0: I don't know if we have enough time, John, to go through <laughs> all the failures. <laughs> as as you as you know, and I've heard others on your show say it. You know, a lot of our success is pretty much just a, a long trail of mistakes and failures that we've learned uh, learned from and applied. <laughs> so it's you know, there's there's some that stick out. I remember early on with our first business. You know, we have been working on this business plan. Again, we didn't, you know, we were budding entrepreneurs still in grad school working on this business plan that was kind of a part school project for our finance class. But, so we were creating this five, five, you know, year plan and it was completely overly complicated, very convoluted, a lot of checks and balances that we just had no idea about. And, and we just basically hit a wall uh, where we're like, this isn't going to work. And we had invested all of our time and we're planning. I mean, this is we weren't really looking for jobs. I mean, this is it was this or nothing. And that's our philosophy. My my partner and I, uh, his name's Brandon. You know, it's it's all in, it's all or nothing all the time. And that's the way that I think most successful entrepreneurs really work. This part-time thing where I well, I've got a job and I'll uh, see if I can make this work. Usually that doesn't work out. And we came to this wall where we we're like, this isn't gonna work. And then I I called up a couple what were smaller competitors who had similar but very very simple business models at the time, and just talk to them, and and that was really an aha moment of mine way way back at the very beginning, where the light bulb just went off, and it, you know, the voice that spoke said, stop overcomplicating this, simplify everything, and just get this thing going, and that's what took us from all this planning to raising five thousand dollars of friends and family money, building a website. And starting to sell, and that's what became you know about a four and a half million dollar company in a few years. So, and it's very simple: it's monthly advertising fees. That's it. <laughs> so, from developers. So that you know that was what was seemingly a failure, and that kind of rolled into what I mean. New Newcomers Online is still in operations, but it has shrunk down to you know uh, significantly just because of the real estate market. So, I wouldn't necessarily deem it a failure. We certainly haven't given up on it, but it really we learned so much from that journey as far as you know never think that things are going to keep growing the way you think they are always have contingency plans always be looking at your products and services staying ahead of the game looking at what the comp- competition is doing that's why at IMI we really focus on thought leadership and getting our directors out there who run all of our departments uh, constantly learning, constantly teaching, but also just making sure in a, you know, an industry that's so technically advanced and changing constantly, we have to be on top of our game or we'll be irrelevant.
1: Those are just powerful insights, Brent. And you obviously have listened to Entrepreneur on Fire before because you talked about the failure and then you immediately jumped to the aha moment, that light bulb moment that you had. And that is the next topic that we're moving into because it's that continuation of that journey. So I definitely thank you for sharing that light bulb moment that you've had. But again, as entrepreneurs, we don't just have one aha moment. We don't just have one light bulb moment. We have so many throughout our journey. Can you share with us another light bulb moment that you've had either recently or some point in your journey that you just feel would really enlighten Entrepreneur on Fire listeners?
0: Absolutely. Um, One of them was the transition from New Online to Internet Marketing Inc. That really was a light bulb that went off when we realized what was happening in the economy the simplicity of that business model would work for a while but was eventually going to have to change become something a little bit different but we really frankly wanted to focus on internet marketing inc and we became very passionate about that business and so it really was typical true to form with my partner and i things once we get an idea we move on it very quickly and you know that can be good or bad but you know typically in our history, the good has outweighed the bad, fortunately for us. So that really was an aha moment where the light bulb went off and we're like, we really need to start this small agency where we need to put some resources to it. And, you know, I always joke, thank God we did. I'd be working at Chili's right now probably if we didn't. (laughs) (laughs) No (laughs) offense to anybody working at Chili's, I'm just saying. I I love love Chili's. I so do I. But, um, and another one that I had and was more recent was, and we preach this to our clients and therefore, of course, we... Uh, need to lead by example is that thought leadership for almost any business works as an inbound marketing tactic. Without you know, without a doubt, I believe in that, 150 percent. And so we dove into it head first. And as the CMO, I'm leading the charge in thought leadership. So that's why I've gotten into the writing and the speaking, and you know, trying to do some TV interviews, and I'm here with you, and all these great things. And of course, then working with our team of thought leaders within Internet Marketing Inc. Typically, most of them are directors of our departments. And we have a model where we have directors. uh, There's a director and manager and then specialists and project managers in each department. But the directors are really designed more to be thought leaders, to be really getting IMI's methodologies out there in an educational way. We're not worried about divulging proprietary information. Our business is very much if you want to build real relationships with clients it's very much an educational process. So, and it's also the ways, you know, to let people know that you know what you're talking about. And so, as a form of inbound marketing, it's it's critical and it also applies if you get this content out there, no matter what kind of content it is, let's say it's a podcast like this or maybe it's a blog or a video, of course you can optimize these digital assets, get them out there, you know, syndicate them, market them, they can have links back to your website, so it helps other areas of your SEO, your social media. It all blends together. But at the end of the day, thought leadership is really just traditional PR, and it's it's really crucial. And we're now moving even more heavily into the traditional PR space, aligning that with our social media team. So that's really an aha moment where I really dove into that side of the business head first, and it's just exploded. I mean, we're our speaking calendar for. Our team of thought leaders is is uh, getting a little bit insane. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I love the direction that you're moving in, Brent, because that is the basis of Entrepreneur on Fire is to give a platform to people like yourself, people who have this amazing journey and story to tell and to just have these great lessons learned to pass on to Fire Nation to our listeners. And with you, it's even better because you have this full-spectrum journey. You're not just a guy that graduated college and then jumped into business and has since been turning the wheels and made things happen. I mean, you've served our country and you went to business school out in San Diego and you met people out there and then you transitioned that into a successful business. So you just have this full spectrum. So people that are out there that maybe didn't start right away can really look to you with inspiration and say, man, everything that I'm doing right now is making me a more well rounded person. That's going to be very beneficial in so many ways to my journey because it's obviously been beneficial to your journey and your mentality. And on that note, Brent, have you had an I've made it moment?
0: I think. You know, a real tangible piece to that was the Inc. 500 award. It was something that's been a dream of of mine and my partners for a long time, wanting to get on that list.
1: And number 185 at that.
0: Yeah. I mean, first time at it, number 185, and we were just thrilled. But I think that would be probably, uh, you know, a we've made it moment. We also just closed uh, a round of funding, which we've never really pursued heavily before. Uh, We've never raised money for Internet Marketing Inc. before either. Um, And that's also really going to take us to the next level. But again... You know, I, as a leader of this business, I have to attribute a large majority of the success, one to my business partner, who's phenomenal. I mean, he was an entrepreneur since since he was young, and and of course, you know, our team. I mean, we have just the best people and the best minds, and you know a, a good leader I think surrounds them with a lot of people that are a lot smarter than them. So <laughs> that makes the leader smart, but the people around them are generally smarter. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. And those are great I've made it moments for so many reasons. And I'm just glad to hear that you are enjoying the journey, Brent, because that is what it's all about. It's about the journey. It's about enjoying those milestones, those accomplishments that you're reaching, because those people that just put their nose down and drive towards these goals and, and potentially reach them and just set those next goals higher and never really appreciate the journey are really missing out. So I'm glad to see that you're doing that. You have a great attitude, a great mentality about that. Let's talk about your current business. If you could just tell us one thing, tell Fire Nation one thing that's really exciting you about your business right now. What would that be? I,
0: I think the most exciting thing about uh, the digital marketing and analytics space right now is how, at least this is the the, the methodologies that we take, is how data driven things are becoming and need to become. I mean that's the whole you know revolution behind the the the, the transition from traditional marketing to heavy budgets in digital marketing is, you know, you have the data that can tell you what the ideal marketing mix is. Then you use data in an ongoing fashion to further optimize those campaigns and really dial in on a very, very specific return on marketing spend, return on investment, what have you. So the data-driven side to digital marketing, which is really our, that's really our value proposition, how we try and differentiate ourselves from other internet marketing agencies is to be data-driven. There's a lot of talk these days. It's in Harvard Business Review, a lot of different magazines and online. Big data is the big term. And as my colleague and one of our senior data analysts at IMI said in his presentation at the Dallas uh, the Dallas Digital Summit uh, here this week, his presentation was all about, you know, big data is great, but really, really good data is even better. So it, it's really about having the data and using the data scientists to analyze that data in order to uh, really revolutionize the, you know, the digital marketing and give your give your clients a real return on investment. Don't just throw these services at them because it's hot and people know they need it. Really do it from a data-driven perspective.
1: Powerful. So Brent, we've now reached my favorite part of the show. We're about to enter the lightning round and this is where I get to ask you a series of questions and you come back at us, Fire Nation, with amazing and mind-blowing answers. Does that sound like a plan?
0: <laughs> Sounds good.
1: All right. What was one thing that was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur?
0: For me, I had never had any aspirations at all to be an entrepreneur, uh, and that's that's the truth. It was my partner who really opened my eyes to the opportunities that uh, were out there to entrepreneurship, and then that coupled with my then recently procured mindset of you know uh, from the from the SEAL teams, from that culture, from that um, very independent thinker culture. I mean, most most. SEAL team officers get out and they're going to the best grad schools now and they're starting their own businesses. They might work at Goldman Sachs for a year or something, but, but then they'll get out and they'll probably link up with one of their, you know, folks from grad school and start their own business. And that's just a pattern I'm seeing pretty much with every SEAL officer I keep in touch with. Wow. Um, so it's, it's, you you can say there's a pattern there for sure, but I never. The interesting thing is, I never had any dreams in high school or college of running my own business. It was it was an evolutionary thing, and I think that's important message to to give is that entrepreneurship can be learned, it can be taught. So that's something that people out there who've never really thought about it before should uh, should think about.
1: What's the best business advice that you ever received?
0: I would say, and this is necessarily not advice that I've taken in the past, <laughs> but then realized that it was good advice. But one thing I would say is get your I's dotted and T's crossed early, early on when it comes to legal, when it comes to partnership agreements, anything that has to do with setting up the business. It seems like boring admin stuff to any entrepreneur. Get it done and get it done right. Even if you have to spend a little money to do so, you got to do it.
1: Nope. That's not flashy advice, but it is honest, good advice. And that's really what you need
0: to do. I'm just trying to save people some money, John.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So Brent, do you have an internet resource like an Evernote that you're just in love with that you can share with Fire Nation?
0: Well, as a as a completely non-biased answer, I really like Inc.com and Forbes.com. Uh, <laughs>
1: those are great um, sites.
0: I also like sites like Search Engine Land, uh, SEOmoz. You know, those are just you, you get a different type of uh, of content on those sites. Very technical. Typically, their blogs and articles are long, deeply technical, and you I mean, they're like white papers. So you can go to those sites to really learn a lot about digital marketing and search engine optimization. So those are kind of the, some of the, and I like frankly, I just like ink because it's so entrepreneurship focused.
1: It is. And we've actually had uh, Rand Fishkin of SEO Moz on the show. Number 15. He was a great guest.
0: Well, you got to know that I already listened to that. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, was, he was awesome. He was awesome. Yeah.
1: He was, he's a cool guy. What's the best business book that you've read in the last six
0: months? I feel like this is kind of a cliche answer, but I would say good to great. And I've read it more than once um, by Jim Collins. It's just a really fantastic book. And I've had so many takeaways from building a company, building a culture, strategic planning, um, mistakes to avoid. I think it's just a, a fantastic book.
1: Awesome book. And we will link that up in the show notes for sure. So Brent, this last question is my favorite, but it's kind of a tricky one. So take your time, digest it, then come back at us, Fire Nation, with a great answer. If you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to Earth, but you knew nobody, you still have all the experience and knowledge that you currently have right now, your food and shelter is taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What do you do, Mr. (laughs) Navy SEAL?
0: I would go out and start networking. <laughs> now, I would I would do exactly what we're doing at Internet Marketing, Inc., but I would focus on, now again, the $500 obviously is a challenge. I would focus heavily on networking, possibly even uh, thought leadership early on. But as as that grew, one thing that my partner and I always say, if we could do it all over again with Internet Marketing, Inc., is Hiring the most technical people we could possibly hire. Now again, the five hundred dollars is a uh, is a bit of a, a detriment to that. <laughs> to Maybe that.
1: you got to give them equity. <laughs>
0: that, that would that would have to come with time. Um, so you would have to give a little bit of of the pie away. Um, that is something that we're a little gun shy about. Um, so having the knowledge that I do, typically that's something that we try to avoid early on because, as any entrepreneur. One mistake we've made in the past is if you if you just sling equity around like it's nothing just because you're a startup, you have no revenue, no profitability, well, do you want your business to be worth a lot someday? Uh. Absolutely. Therefore, treat it that way and have that mentality so that when you are bringing on partners, uh, people that could really bring something to the, to the table, sweat equity, whatever you want to call it, really make sure you want to be in business with those people and really, really think about, How much ownership you want to have down the line because with you know, as a fired up, ready to rock and roll entrepreneur that's going to succeed without fail, your business will be a lot worth a lot someday. And therefore, you don't want to be looking back, regretting decisions you made in that regard or who you partnered with or what have you. So that's something you definitely need to keep in mind starting from scratch.
1: Well, Brent, being a Navy SEAL, I'm sure there's very few things you're gun shy about, but I can definitely understand being gun shy about giving away portions of of the pie of your company and that is just great advice on every level and you've given us great actionable advice this entire interview and we are all better for it. Give Fire Nation one parting piece of guidance then give yourself a plug and then we'll say goodbye.
0: The biggest parting piece of guidance I can get is invest invest in your people. I mean, I think that's important. It doesn't matter if the business is, you know, human equity driven or more about technology, but your team is the most important thing to you. They, You will succeed with them and you will fail with them. And if you have that mentality and you treat your team well, you make sure that they're happy, that they are they have all the resources that they need, they will kill for you. And so it's just critical that you have and build a culture that everybody knows that they're valued, everybody all the way down to the new intern that's been there two weeks. They know what part they play and how that part is a part is a piece of the overall bigger picture, the goals, the vision, the mission and and the core values. I mean, that's, that's just critical. Um, so that's my, uh, that's my guidance piece of of, uh, guidance there. And, um, again, I mean, you, you kind of gave the plug in, in the intro, but internet marketing Inc. We're one of the fastest growing data driven digital marketing agencies in the country. And we have about 60 team members in San Diego. We've got a office in Las Vegas and one in Miami and, we are uh, you know we're servicing mostly medium and enterprise level clients right now and that's uh, that's our story I think uh, I think we've covered a lot. We've covered a
1: lot Brent. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your time, your expertise, your experience. Fire Nation salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side.
0: Thank you, brother. Have a good one All right, Fire Nation. are you
1: pumped up to create a podcast and share your message with the world? Don't let your lack of time, knowledge, or skills hold you back. All you need to do is record an MP3, send it to my team at Entrepreneur on Fire, and we do the rest. It's really that simple. Visit PodPlatform.com. That's P-O-D Platform.com to find out more.
0: Thank you for joining us at EntrepreneurOnFire.com. Your daily dose of inspiration. Prepare to ignite.